Hello and welcome to the Hub Systems Podcast, the voice of man's model moments, the blog of the various ramblings on the modelling and gaming antics of my son and I. My name is Alex Mann and with me is my son Oscar. Hello. Now it took a few weeks of editing the last episode to get that one up, uh, mainly due to the time constraints that we've got and some audio issues with our recording software. So we've changed that up a little bit and hopefully that will eliminate the glitches uh, and have clean episodes both today and going forwards when we actually use Skype again. So of course that interlude has meant that we have a little bit of a backlog of what we've been getting up to in our gaming lives. So Oscar, what's been occupying your time over the past month? GCSE exams, which have uh, been fun, let's say, <laughs> which of course they haven't been, but um, they're over now. So I have the biggest summer ahead of me, which is going to be really, really fun. So what about in your spare time then, after exams or between exams? Well, anyone who has Steam knows that the summer sale is on, and or has been, and so I've been buying lots of different games and I've been playing them. I recently bought The Walking Dead game by Telltale Games, which is basically it adapts to the choices you make, and every single choice makes you feel like a horrible person. <laughs> so that's been a, it's a really good game, actually. But And we've had a game of Firestorm. We've, we've played a few games of Firestorm. We've been watching quite a lot of The Walking Dead as well, haven't we? We've watched, got through a few episodes, a few seasons actually. No? We're on season four at the moment. Towards the end of season four, yeah. That's yeah. been pretty tense. And uh, we also tried out Arena Rex. Which was really fun hilarious. So yes, I bought a, a Playmobil Arena. Which actually <laughs> looks surprisingly good. All of you are there going to be thinking, oh, what the hell is he doing that for? But it actually looks pretty impressive. Yeah, and if you haven't checked out Arena Rex, we'll actually go over some of the figures in Hit or Miss. But the actual game itself is really fun, isn't it? It's very easy to start. The rules are free. So if you look up Arena Rex online, or it's arenarex.com, I think, you can download the PDF of the rules. You can download the stats for each of the gladiators. So it's completely, you know, try before you buy. We've tried it with three gladiators each. Yeah. We? Basically, it's gladiatorial combat in an arena, and it was actually... You say, what are they doing with a Playmobil arena? But actually, it was designed with a Playmobil arena. It's perfect. Because <laughs> that gives the, the right size. It's like a 30-inch radius, I think. Yeah, and it's a lot of fun. It's very easy to pick up. It's quite fast and furious. I was surprised at how quickly things died. Oh, God, yeah, you can kill stuff really easy. Like, my... Remember, I had this really big guy, and he went into combat straight away, and just got his head chopped off and died in one attack. <laughs> yeah, but then in the next game, he just picked somebody up and threw him into a pit, instantly, instantly killing, killing them. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty fun. So, then he got eaten by a lion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> lions come into it, and yeah, it's really quite a fun game. So uh, that was that was pretty good. Uh, I've also been uh, dabbling a little bit on the painting side. Managed to get get some painting in, mainly with Wild West Exodus, but also some Cthulhu Wars minis. So we've also watched uh, we watched Serenity the movie the other day, didn't we? Yeah, we did. And we've just come back from watching Independence Day Resurgence, as it's my birthday today. So, Whoa, uh, happy birthday! Thank you. So yeah, we just went to see that, didn't we? Yeah, it was, it was pretty fun. No spoilers, but expect the same kind of silly Crap. <laughs> sci-fi <laughs> romp that the first one was, and you were constant American. Uh, Music in the background, you know, the trumpets. And the yeah, drums. and although we're united as one world, it's just it's all America, America. <laughs> actually leading all of this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> although it's in Area 51, but not that the US is, you know, America-centric or anything like that. But uh, No, not at all. Not at all. We have been watching the Euros as well. 
well, you guys have. We got kicked out. Really early on. <laughs> and of course, we voted to leave the EU. Which That's we're not talking about. Uh, I will apologise on behalf of the less. Was it forty nine percent? It was forty eight point something versus fifty one point yeah. something. Yeah, we're sorry, forty eight percent. So people. we voted remain, but unfortunately, we're deciding to leave. So we, uh, yeah, the less said about that and less politics comes into the podcast, the better. But. Uh, yeah, moving on, moving on. Moving on. So, first up, uh, before we have our main topic, is hit or miss. And although it's summertime and it's a bit slow, there are a few treats uh, from several companies. So let's start with our proverbial monolith of gaming that we always do in Games Workshop. Yay. And uh, <laughs> what we have here are nothing on the Age of Sigmar front, you'll be pleased to know. <sighs> So we won't be slagging off any Age of Sigmar stuff. We'll be slagging um, off the rest of them. So we are just looking at Warhammer 40k, and we're looking at Stormcloud Attack. So Stormcloud Attack, uh, there are three new box sets. And this is basically, we'll start off with Faith and Heresy, which is, of course, Space Marines and Chaos. And basically this is uh, an aerial combat game to play with the Warhammer 40k flyers. Uh, so it's another way to use your 40k flyers, I guess if you're still playing 40k, and if you haven't bought enough um, 40k flyers, uh, this is a way for you to to use them. So Faith and Heresy comes with a single uh, Space Marine Storm Talon, I believe it is, and a Chaos Helldrake, something like that, and which is a far cooler model than the Space Marine one, which looks like a a box with a couple of engines on it, doesn't it? It's like a, it's <laughs> like it just ate too much and got fat. Yeah, I, I always thought the Space Marine aesthetic for flyers looks just ridiculous. But um, hey, enough of my personal feelings on that. No, I feel completely the same way. <laughs> Whereas the uh, the chaos stuff, although it's you know rather ridiculously over the top, is at least quite cool. Yeah, it's a flying <laughs> dragon. Or it's not like it's a flying metal dragon. Yeah. So. I mean, you've seen these these 40k flyers before. That's nothing new, so we won't talk about the models really so much. I think. What do you think of the concept of the the game, Oscar? A standalone flyer combat game. Um, you know, I think it has the potential to work, but in this is the starter box. I'm assuming this is one of the starter boxes. There, the starter there are boxes. three starter boxes: Faith and Heresy, which, as we said, is Space Marines and Chaos. The Ancient and the Greater Good, obviously Tower and Necron. And then you have the Beast and the Eldritch, uh, which is, of course, Eldar and Orcs. Okay, so can you... Do you literally play with one ship? Because if it's a dogfighting game, that just seems like... No, apparently you can play with, with others, and you do progress your pilots. Uh, so you can have campaigns where your pilots get better. So it's an 80-page softback flight manual. So either there are a lot of rules in there, or there's a lot of extra stuff. Yeah. Um, I think it could work. It's just you're paying quite a lot or putting a lot of faith in a game which isn't giving you much. I mean, you get a ship each. Yeah. These are £60. It says Stormcloud Attack can be played with extra flyer models and against other flyers in the Warhammer 40k range. Data sheets containing their Stormcloud Attack rules are available for free download on their respective pages. A PDF of pilot record cards... Using campaigns is available for download from the tab on the right. So, essentially, what they're saying is pay sixty pounds for our rules, <laughs> yeah, a flyer each. Because uh, if if you already got a flyer or some flyers, I'm not seeing a free download of the rules, which is typical. Uh, which is slightly disappointing, given that 
Perhaps if they did have free rules, it says download the pilot record sheet here, but there's nothing about anything else. So, yeah, I think, much like you, I think it's quite a nice concept, another way to use your models. Yeah, exactly. But I would have liked to see a free PDF, or at least, you know, downloadable rules. Even if they're going to charge, you know, a few pounds for them. Yeah. £10 probably for Games Workshop. Some, some people might not want to pay 60 quid for some. Well, it kind of... What if you're an Eldar and a Necron player? You know, you're going to have to spend £120 for two models that you don't want to get the two models you do and these rules. So, yeah, um, difficult one to call on hit or miss, really. And because we can't look at the rules and stuff, we don't know how stuff, how quickly stuff dies, if it's like quite a complex movement system or whatever... Because it could be that one person kills them quite easily. I mean, I doubt that'll be the case, but... Well, I mean, just looking at these, you know, some extracts from the book here, you get a, a decal sheet, which includes ace markings. The book, the extracts that we've got have nice coloured pictures, great artwork, as you'd expect. You know, it all looks quite good, but just the concept of what if I don't like this game? You know, if there's no try-before-you-buy option, I think it's a miss. Uh, which is a shame because I think essentially the idea of another rule set to use your models in a different way is quite a good idea. Yeah, true. If there's anybody still playing 40k. <laughs> we know there are, but it's a shame. Conceptually, I think it's a hit. I think execution, maybe it's a miss. Mm, definitely. For me. It's, it just If they developed this a little bit more. Which, let's face it, I mean, that's kind of a better score. Games Workshop have been doing better in hit or miss. They've kind of had some maybes and nearlies, nearlies as opposed yeah. to just like it's garbage well um, on the 40k <laughs> side now on the f they also have a book flyers of the dark millennium which is 20 pounds uh, which has sort of a blueprint cover sort of sheet on which it describes as a rich varied and detailed guide to deliveries and insignia found on the aircraft of the 41st millennium this 80 page landscape format softbook book blah 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 so this is what games workshop you know really do well um, you know, it's got lots of side profiles with different colours and markings, lots of colour artwork and sheets. You know, Games Workshop have always been good at bedding out the fluff and giving you stuff. And £20, actually, seems like a reasonable amount of money to, to pay for something like this if you're into this hobby. Of course, not knowing anything about the game, this would be kind of a, an additional purchase. But I think this is a hit. Yeah, I've always liked the uh, the fluff books that Games Workshop do, actually. They're, they're always very nicely laid out, nice artwork inside. Yeah, uh, it's a supporting piece of literature. Now, what I would have probably liked to have seen more is, say, a rules book and this book together, a little bundle. That'd be good. That you could buy outside of having to get the two-player box set, because unless I've missed something somewhere here, I'm not seeing that anywhere. Now, the other part of this, of course, is if you buy these models individually, a Helldrake, for instance, is £45. A Storm Talon gunship is 33 which is £78. So it's actually cheaper to buy the box set, which is rare for Games Workshop. That is, actually. Generally, so it's just actual, <laughs> genuine saving. Oh my God. So if you're looking at buying these models anyway, get together with a buddy, hey, you're a flyer, this is actually a cheap way of getting it, cheap Games Workshop, and you get these additional rules. So looking at it from that side, it's kind of a hit. Yeah, that's true. So I would say it depends. Right? It's an eh. It's a, <laughs> I think it's about a zero. <laughs> yeah, perfectly. Uh, but 
I'm going to call it as a miss for the overall the two-player box sets because overall I wouldn't buy these on the basis of just that. I'd already be playing 40k and be wanting to buy that. So I, if I was already going to buy those models, actually all Games Workshop have done is giving away money. Yeah. So conceptually, I still think this is a a shade. I think it's a an EU Brexit referendum win. So fifty one point nine percent miss. Shut up about that. <laughs> uh, so, so there we go. It's fifty one point nine percent miss. I'm I'm not going to play along with this. <laughs> okay. So flies of the dark millennium. I think. Yeah. Hit. Yeah. Hit. Yeah. But storm cloud attack. Overall, you can still get that again. We don't have any releases from Spartan that we haven't already discussed in previous episodes so far. So Spartan Games going to miss this. Miss a pass this week. Fantasy Flight Games, there are some expansion packs we didn't mention last time. These are in the form of, well, I'll backtrack one. Fantasy Flight Games always said they would never do the early episode flyers for Star Wars. If they just broken the rule. So what they've done is they've released the early episode flyers. <laughs> so they've got the Arc 170, which is the sort of um, predecessor to the X-Wing. That thing that we saw in all of the Clone Wars movies. Yeah. We have the Protectorate Starfighter, which we'll be familiar with. And we also have the Shadowcaster, which is apparently uh, the ride of a, a bounty hunter, which looks a bit like Star Trek Voyager. <laughs> Not Voyager. Is it the Defiant or the Valiant or something? You know more about that. The, the one that can cloak, I can't remember. Anyway, it kind of looks more like a Star Wars, a Star Trek ship, I think, than a Star Wars ship, but... I'm sure it appears somewhere in one of the early movies mm. in a small back scene or something. We're Star Wars fans, but not really yeah. fans, are we? So what do we think about these, then? Apart from you know, glossing over the fact that fantasy flight games have done a complete U-turn, maybe we could say that's their listening to their players if they were, if they had this call. Yeah. Uh, well, X-Wing, they always seem to deliver quite nice, good minis. They're uh, detailed. Yeah, and these are quite small pictures, but they look pretty good. Hmm. The Arc 170 they looks, looks pretty nice. They're not released yet. No, these... Uh, I mean, Fancy Flight Games are always good at saying, hey, we've got this release, and then give you three months to think about it. Yeah. If you think Inquisitor's Tie, which I got for my birthday, that was announced when we were in our old house. So that's at least six months ago. Well, save up your pennies. and So, you know, they they let you plan and get your hobby money together. It's quite a lot of money for one ship. Uh, as always, $20. So it'll probably be about £12, I imagine. Oh, so my last mentioning of the E-Riff Roundum, that's probably about £15. <laughs> Seeing as our currency dropped dramatically. Okay, enough said of that. <laughs> the Protectorate Starfighter, you can't actually see it quite as well, but I presume it's a good and accurate rendition. It looks pretty good. It looks pretty cool. looks a bit Buck Rogers, known as the Fang Fighter. Is that a uh... sleek and fast Mandalorian craft, custom built for fighter combat? It's Marauders, right? Oh yes, so it is. I'm assuming the other, the bounty hunters is as well. Yep. yep, scum and villainy. Yep. Well, overall they're pretty good models. I can't say I'm fond of the Shadow uh, Caster. No, the Shadow Caster, uh, which of course is a much more expensive ship, forty dollars. I-, I think the Starfighters are are nicer. They have direct links to the movie. Yeah, where is the, the Shadowcaster? Shadow just one of those yeah, one-off things. It's a little bit tenuous, and I think it looks too Star Trek. 
to be it's honest, a bit for silly, me, really, for the Star Wars universe. Yeah. Whereas, you know, the others are unmistakably Star Wars. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to call a hit. I think on the Arc 170 and the Protectorate Starfighter. Probably going to say a miss for the Shadowcaster, just because the prior reasons. You know, it's a, it's a large, expensive ship, which doesn't really tie me into the Star Wars universe. Yeah, I'm going to agree with everything you just said. Okay. That was easy. Lastly, we're going to have a little look at Arena Rex. Now, these aren't new releases, but this is a new game for us. And we thought we'd go with a little little look over uh, what Arena Rex has. So, Arena Rex basically has four main factions at the moment. I'm sure they will expand in the future. So, you have the Ludus Magnus, which is basically the, the basic gladiators. Proper, proper gladiator school people. Legio 13, Ludus Britannicus, which is basically a kind of Gallo-Roman imperial... Uh, gladiator school the morituri was like an egyptian death cult kind of thing and the zephyri i'm not sure what you could really <laughs> describe those as because they've basically blended vikings and native americans so you have this weird <laughs> weird mix celtic uh, north american strange they've faction. literally said uncharacteristic mix of Viking and Native American cultures. <laughs> so this is They don't even know how to describe it. Yeah, this is sort of a, a, a hybrid, historical, kind of alternate universe mm. where the Roman Empire spread everywhere and um, formed these great gladiator combat schools. Because they're nuts. Because they're nuts, yeah. So if we just have a look at some of these models, the Ludus Magnus. So you get, basically a starter set is three minis and you get this guy who is this massive muscly guy with sort of metal fists or add-on metal fist things who's the guy that you have that picks people up and throws them he's really good actually uh, you get a guy with a net and a spear and uh, another dude with a couple of swords bear in mind this is a starter kit and you would generally only get one yeah now these are all resin minis and the detail on them is just fabulous uh, I mean the the sculpting on them, and this guy's actually not got a spear, is it? There's a trident, trident in a net. Um, you know, really finely cast, really nice looking models. There's lots of pictures on the website, both of the bare resin and of their studio painted figures. And the studio painted figures look really good, don't they? Yeah, they're all painted to perfection. You know, you can get the picture up, and, and in fact, almost intimidatingly so, because... Yeah, you would look at that. I mean, that's a kind of what you'd see at a model show on display, isn't it? Yeah. Which, of course, is what you want. You also have artwork of these guys. And the artwork is it's quite minimalistic, actually, isn't it? Yeah. The sort of line drawings, the actual watercolour works that they do as well are quite cartoony almost, aren't they? A bit like borderlines. Oh, borderlands. Almost, yeah. Um, not these ones, but you know when you have the, the watercolour ones, which I don't think we actually have any here. I think if we go into one of the, the individual guys, so I'm just looking at Hermes here on the website, who's got a sword, very typical gladiator helmet, and a big square shield. Which I also had, who was really, really good as well. Uh, actually, he's not one of the ones with the watercolour ones either. Let's have a look. In Felix, uh, he's black and white. Oh, you, as you, keep, well. you keep picking the wrong Keep picking the wrong That guy, yeah. Ison. Now, here we go. He's he's one with the watercolours. And you see, that is quite cartoon. Very cartoon. Borderlands kind of style. But, I mean, the minis are just... They're very dynamically posed. As I say, the painting on them is phenomenal. But great detail. 
you know, really finely cast miniatures. And I imagine this is a low model count game, so you can spend a lot of time devoted to painting at your your guys. Yeah. Between three and six minis per side, this is. You can play multiplayer as well. You also get the actual cards, uh, images of the cards in PDF. Uh, well, you can see the images. The So I'm looking at Marcus Furious here. So you can see he's got six move, five attack, three defense, one armor, and his damage tree, and his damage tracker, his special abilities, which are all described there. So this is a completely transparent game. But just going back to the minis, the minis, for me, I think mostly are all hits. I'm not so keen on the muscle guy, actually. I prefer his uh, watercolor picture. I mean, I think if they just tried to do a better cast of him, but you know, he's a bit... Weird. He plays very well in the game, though. Now, here we come to the stumbling block with Arena Rex. Because although you can play Arena Rex without the minis, because you can use whatever minis you have, we've been using some, some Spartans, haven't we? If you're going to go and buy Arena Rex from the stores, from the website, for these three minis, you're going to pay $45. Which, which is, is going to put a hole in your wallet. Yeah, so these are expensive minis. These are Games Workshop Expensive minis. They're not the fifteen pounds per one Age of Sigmar trumpet guy. <laughs> yeah, but fifteen dollars, ten pounds of figure. So this is like a, a Fancy Flight Games expansion pack per mini. So it's expensive. Now you get an art card and a game card and a couple of you know a token and a base with these as well. But that's kind of almost kind of what you expect anyway with, with yeah. minis. Yeah, I'm going to say the cost does sort of reflect into the model about how well it's cast. Yeah. So it's yeah, it's difficult for me when this is a hit or a miss. The, the castings, the mouldings, and the poses and sculpting on these, I think, all definitely hits. Yeah. Um, but the price... The price itself is it's difficult because... Also, I have heard that some of these are in multiple parts that You're are kidding, really right? difficult. So, so that was the Ludus Magnus. Uh, if I just quickly click here on Legio 13, we got the starter set. Again, three guys. You have a guy called Gaius Pallidus, who apparently was wounded and he was healed by a druid by crafting some bark onto it. So he's like now part tree. He's awesome. He plays really well. Comes back to life. Yeah, he comes back him. to life. He can heal people. You've got a woman with a big uh, spear and another one with a big sort of cleaver sword and shield. Really, again, really, really nice minis. You can tell they're going to paint it really well. Again, art cards, really nice. So from the modelling sculpting aspect, all definite hits. Uh, you've got other guys, Urian, another guy with a sword and a shield. One of my favourites. Uh, yeah, you're looking at the wrong region. Um, if I just go back to Ludus Magnus, one of my favourites here is this guy. Yep. It's called Otho Mentalus. Brutal and unforgiving. And he's hated by the crowd. He has a special rule. So you have an asset in the game called Favour, which is basically the, the will of the crowd. They cheer you on. You, favor. you can spend extra favour dice in this. Otho may not spend favour. Because the crowd hates him. He <laughs> comes the, crowd hates him. the only time he generates favour is when he dies. Because everyone is just <laughs> Cheers. Like, yeah. A cheer from the crowd. Uh, anyway, bit of a segue. Back to back to the models, Legio 13. We haven't, Go actually, to we haven't actually seen any of the Egyptian ones. Morituri, 
So this is a kind of Egyptian-y faction. Now apparently there's a guy in this. I think it's this this guy here, the big fat guy with the little Egyptian beard. His beard is a separate piece. Why? <laughs> so some of these models are, you know, only a couple of parts. Others are like broken down into like loads of different parts. So they have different sculptors. Not all they're not all sculpted by the same guy, and apparently they obviously work in different ways. Uh, yeah, so apparently his beard is a separate piece. That's which... the stupidest thing. <laughs> which does seem a little bit odd. And also some of the some of these bits. So this has a faction where very cool girl sort of whipping around with a big cleavery thing, and she's got all of these oh God, all these flame sort of cloth bits yeah, coming off her helmet, and she's got a whip, and she's got this big whip going around. Oh, everything's going to break off. Incredibly that. delicate model. Yeah, I mean, I think that's white metal. Yeah, that's but all cool. the bits around, bits of cloth whipping around her head, are all resin. Uh, apparently, if you look at the other guy, he's got a net and a, a trident there. The shafts on these weapons are not the sort of Games Workshop, you know, over-scaled things. Because if you actually had Games Workshop spear, it would be like holding a telegraph pole. <laughs> yeah. But these are actually more like proper scale, which means they're incredibly thin, apparently cr- incredibly fragile. Most people replace them with brass rod, just so that they've got something that can actually go... Apparently that attachment point, her foot is the only bit touching the one foot, her left foot, touching the base, just by the very ball of her foot. Apparently that breaks really easily. Very difficult to pin. Great. So they're fiddly, difficult miniatures to work with, offset by the fact they're absolutely beautiful. But seeing as you've only got three, I suppose you could spend time. Well, and, and that's it, you know, and it's... <laughs> just look at this big guy who's holding this this weapon, which is like a huge pendulum with a blade, which is... As big as his body? Huge. Have a look at his card. He looks like he can be carrying it, though, doesn't he? It looks like he's having trouble with it. <laughs> okay. Yeah, he's got... Yeah, he does pretty big damage, I suppose. So, you know, and again, really nice models, beautifully painted, second to none. You've also got a very cool giant scorpion uh, with somebody... Oh, it's the, it's the, That's the jumping trident. girl as well. It's the one with the oh, flowing is, bits of cloth and the whip riding the giant pounds, And that's, what, $40? Dollars, so. so. But still, that's going to be, what, £30? You do get a giant scorpion. You do get a giant scorpion, yeah. And it's a pretty cool giant scorpion. I think this is a tough one. It is. Really tough one, because they are beautiful minis. Like Infinity, you don't need that many. But they're, they're still... They're expensive per model... But if you think in the overall cost of the game, if you're buying six minis, it's probably, what, $90? So that's £60 each, which isn't that much. No. So, difficult. What do you think? God, you're asking me. Um, well, let's see if, the, oh, let's see if the Zafiri can... Oh, no, these will be interesting. ...can change your mind. Or make your mind up. So Zafiri are the strange Norse stroke North American hybrid race faction. Starter set has uh, a guy who looks like a space wolf on acid. <laughs> We've also got some sort of Viking guy and sort of Norse girl. You have some North American. They're just like weirdos running around with axes. Native guy with axes. Sven, who is obviously a sort of Nordic guy. Yeah, I mean, to me, that's the. The least interesting faction, yes, I would say. 
Um, oh dear. It's... Whereas the Moratori also have. Oh, he's cool. I like a shield. Yes, me. Really cool shield. Looks like an Egyptian pendant with symbols in it. Some really interesting things there. You also have, if I come just onto the Gorgons, there are also living hazards in the game. And also, these Gorgons can be taken by any faction. So you have Medusa, who isn't the traditional sort of uh, snake-haired maiden. Well, that's not Medusa then. <laughs> so a sibilant hiss in the wrong temple. This otherworldly beauty condemned by Athena. Decree, Athena's Athenian decree to eternally hide her face it was driven from the only home she'd ever known. But anyway, so you have... Has she got snake hair? Has she got snake hair, actually? Can't see from that. Don't think so. She has an almost bare bottom, but she doesn't appear to have snake hair. But the, what point uh, of producer is having snake hair? But anyway, I you have Sventh... Svenno? Anyway, who's sort of like an Indian multi-armed god. Deity, actually. Deity, god, same thing. Uh, Six-armed... No. Six-armed blue kind of... It's pretty cool, actually. Yeah. I mean, she's holding a head and dripping the blood into a bowl underneath it. That's pretty... It's pretty rank. <laughs> but, but pretty cool as well. And then you have Uriel, who is a snake woman. Oh, I read her stats. She's horrible. She's holding a head, by the way. Just Yeah, she is. And she's kind of wrapped around a, a column as well. She also it looks like she still has legs inside the snake body. That's pretty creepy, actually. Pretty creepy. So, some really nice minis. There are also monsters, though, aren't there? There, there are also mini. Uh, yes, there are also monsters. So you have living hazards in the arena. So you mentioned lions before. You can also have a rhino called a Kerbus, who's a pretty good-looking mini, and Leo the lion. Which sounds a bit silly, but it's a really nice model as well. So he's sort of leaping up with a chain, which is flailing out. This, I think, is making a little bit though of the Games Workshop recent sins. In that looks like a fragile mini. Yeah, and it's like that's that's its base, and it's all tilted in one direction. Yeah, I mean, it has great movement. I mean, he's actually leaping up with paws outstretched. Looks you know, pretty terrifying. But the only bit be. that's on the floor is its back legs, which is uh, the opposite end of the model. Yeah, and it's actually one foot. Oh. It's oh only dear. one foot that's supporting that entire thing. He's then got a tail which sticks out and a long chain flowing out to one side. I would be really nervous about taking him somewhere. Oh, have a look at the Wendigo model. So, let's see the Wendigo. So, yeah, we have a Wendigo, which is... How would you describe that? <laughs> it is... It's a pretty foul thing, isn't it? It's sort of like a goat moose. Yeah, if you imagine a really thin moose that's had all the flesh stripped off its spine, no stomach there, so it's just literally a spine connecting the front and, and the, the rear legs. It's sort of got human face, though, and human hands. Human hands, yeah, human face. Huge antlers. Huge antlers. It's pretty rank. It's a pretty weird and rank thing. Which is why it's awesome. <laughs> but yeah, very cool kind of model. Look at the art as well. Yeah. And it's fantastic art, even though it is cartoony, it still captures the model. Yeah, quite minimalist, really, the art, isn't it? It's a tough one. It's a very, very tough one. So, 
you also have Proximo, who is this weird <laughs> giraffe chimera. cheater snake. Yes, yeah, snake head, cheetah body, deer front legs. Really odd, odd looking thing. But, I mean, again, the painting on this is just phenomenal. Yeah, I'm assuming it's spots on. All the yeah. cheetah spots painted on. Yeah, it's just really, really amazing. Um, good poses, you know. I mean, it's a ridiculous combination of creatures, really, but somehow it's, they pulled it off. But why not? <laughs> you know, it still looks fluid, even though it's you know quite a strange combination. So, yeah, for me, the there isn't a shadow of a doubt that the minis are hits. They're fantastic. The website is fantastic as well. They've done a very good layout and everything. They've got a pretty good thing going, to be quite honest. Yeah, it's a really neat-looking game, and if you haven't tried it out, I would definitely recommend go along, download the rules. It's a very simple, easy-to-get-into rule set. There are also videos online. Uh, these are really good, actually, at um, showing you how to play the game, getting into it. Because we had a couple of bits we, we didn't understand. Of, yeah, and they, but actually watching the game and then playing it... They helped us out quite a lot. We, we picked it up. Well, first game was a little clunky, second game we were mm. fine, weren't we? So it's a really neat little game. You can get faction dice as well, which you can get faction dice, you can get favour dice. And they're only a dollar. I think they might be a dollar each. <gasps> oh <laughs> favour dice are one dollar each. Oh my lord. Which is reasonably expensive. Yes. But but they are very cool. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, I would say overall the minis are a hit. But you need to be rich to buy their infantry. Well, it's, you know, they're expensive minis, but for them, they're not more... It's so good. It's kind of the same price as an X-Wing expansion. It is, yeah. And considering you only need to buy a few models, yeah, it could be a hit. Yeah, so I think I would call a marginal hit when incorporating the price. Yeah. I think the price brings down the, like, solid hit. But if the price wasn't involved... Then definitely. Definitely. Yeah. So check it out, guys. Arena Rex. It's just arenarex.com. Uh, very easy to find. Look at the play uh, videos on, on YouTube. Nice little game. And yeah, I'm sure maybe at some point in the future we'll actually buy the minis. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> okay. So that takes us now on to our main topic of the week, which is a little bit of a discussion on, on gaming and sort of other hobby crossovers. Now, what really brought this up is what I've been doing quite a lot of in the last month or so, alongside all the other stuff, because it doesn't actually involve very much hands-on time, is 3D printing. So I got my 3D printer for Christmas last year, and it's fair to say it hasn't been a, a solid start into it. It's been up and down. I was going to say, you definitely just like sort of yeah, began to got fully into it. The, the real thing about setting up a 3D printer is that calibration is absolutely critical and it's thank just, god i'm not doing it i don't understand a thing well i didn't understand the thing to start with either and you know very hit and miss in terms of yeah, success yeah. on print wasn't it <laughs> yeah it was you know some things would work other things fail completely trying to understand that and getting to a point where it's printing reliably and you get to a point where you are printing reliably you think this is great and then you do something ambitious and it fails completely you kind of go back to square one it can be very frustrating i can understand why some people would start off into it and then just leave it and forget it, get rid of their printer. It needs some perseverance. But it is quite rewarding once you've actually created something that didn't exist before. You know, just was a, a file on a computer and you have a 3D object. 
It's really cool. Well, it's not that simple. You've got the plastic rod included. It's not like it can print stuff out through it. No, no, it doesn't. It's not. (laughs) Which would be fantastic. (laughs) Fabricator. (laughs) No, but I mean, we've created some fairly cool things. Oh, yeah, definitely. And over the last month, if you've seen my Facebook page, you'll have seen I created a a one to one scale Star Wars Han Solo blaster. Which is incredible. Which was fantastic. You know, we had to print it in small sections because my 3D printer is very small. And actually, I got into the 3D modelling side of things because some of the parts, although this was an STL file available for free, download on the website, Thingiverse, I think it came off, some of the parts were actually too big to print one-to-one on my printer. So I was faced with either not printing a one-to-one scale blaster, which is kind of meh. You don't want to do that, do you? No. Um, Or finding a way to modify the file. So I found a way to modify it. I basically cut some of the pieces in half um, that were too big digitally and then cut little bits out of them so I could sort of have a notch going into a little uh, hole to actually reassemble them again. And that worked really well. Uh, And since then, I've actually started creating my own design files for things. So I've created, (laughs) of all the bizarre, stupid things, one of the things that we actually has been driving me mad since we got the kitchen done was the microwave actually lost one foot in the move. So an unbalanced microwave is a terrible thing, because every time you touch it, it's like just... Dunk, dunk. <laughs> Out of everything. Very annoying. <laughs> Very annoying. And it's such a simple thing. So actually what I did is I took off one of the existing feet, copied it just by measuring and you know creating the digital copy of it, um, and then printed one out, and now we have a level microwave. Very Fantastic. ambitious. <laughs> yeah, well, you've got to start small, right? Well, microwave feet small is... Microwave foot small is about as small as you can get. Yes. Then I created... <laughs> I ordered some replacement PLA filament. Oh, that was quite online. funny, yeah. And I was expecting... I ordered it from Amazon. It cost like £15, I think. And when it arrived, it was this huge reel. It's like almost over. as big as the printer itself. <laughs> yes, isn't it? So dwarfing the reels that I had already. So you had to make um, a new reel. So I had to make a new reel holder and when it sat on there it didn't rotate because it has this massive like six centimetre hole through the middle. So I actually designed some inserts that the reel holder rod, which was only a 12 millimetre rod, could go through centred so that it turns properly and that did it. So yeah, it's pretty impressive. It's yeah. quite, it is quite a satisfying feeling of designing something from nothing, an idea in your head, some measurements, and then printing out something that didn't exist at all. And then just putting it in, hey, it works. Fantastic. And of course, this has all sorts of possibilities for use in our hobby. Now, one of the things I've been doing is printing some asteroids. Some They're 2D but flat-bottomed, so they look kind of like rocks. Mm. Quite nicely, the kind of scale that will work with Firestorm yeah, or X-Wing. Really well. Or with Planet Fallers rocks as well. Yeah, so it's like multi use. So kind of multi use, and they print very quickly. I've just been printing with the lowest possible quality because they're rocks. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter if you can see stripes on them. Kind of gives them texture. Yeah. yeah. They take yeah minutes to print out, uh, and they cost almost nothing. One of the advantages of buying a massive reel of PLA is it costs something like 0.1 pence per inch. Uh, an average asteroid costs about 2p to make. <laughs> That's pretty good. So, very easy to make that kind of stuff. Also doing more ambitious things, so we printed out a nuclear power station. Which looks really good. Complete with cooling towers, which will be great for, for Planetfall. And really the possibilities, now that I've got the hang of 3D modelling software, are endless, right? 
Yeah. It also came out, this kind of hobby crossover thing, from hearing the D6 Generation's last uh, podcast where they were talking about they'd never heard of a, a mould scraper or a seam scraper, which is something that, as a modeler, because I've been modelling for years and years and years, you know, it's just one of those things that you think everybody knows about. It's like, well, you do. if you're doing any sort of model, surely you know about that. You scrape it off. Apparently not. But apparently not, no. And these things you can buy from places like Games Workshop. They have one around. But it just made me think about whether, you know, very closely aligned hobbies like modelling. You know, how much crossover there is into our, our hobby. So, I mean, on the 3D printing front, it kind of opens up a lot of possibilities for the future because... If somebody is hobby-minded, then they can design whatever they like uh, and create it. Yeah. If they're not, there are still loads of files. So we printed out that nuclear power station without any creativity on our side. All we did was literally download the file and print it. Yeah. That doesn't require any sort of hobby aspect from our point. I suppose we'll have to paint it. Well, yeah, I mean, well, you could paint it. It could just be there as scenery. I mean, it wouldn't look very good. but Yeah, but maybe some people want to do that. So I guess it comes to, you know, gaming is quite quite niche. And also, do people really want to do much with the hobby aspect? We talked about Fantasy Flight Games and their recent releases. You know, they've been very successful with X-Wing because obviously it calls into a, a current theme. Star Wars is very popular. Um, everybody knows about it. But also, they've got pre-painted minis, so you don't have to... You don't have to do anything. You literally have to. take out the box and it's ready. Yeah, whereas Fire all of Storm. the sort of introductory sets from other manufacturers, people like Games Workshop doing their Silver Tower stuff, Spartan Games with their products, still involves quite a substantial hobby aspect. And a lot of gamers like that, but a lot of gamers don't as well. I think it's because it can be very time-consuming to paint up a whole fleet of Firestorm things. You could spend yeah. ages to Well, we still haven't painted <laughs> Yeah, more, more than half of our stuff isn't painted. Because it takes so much time and effort. Yeah, you can't yeah, right. you can't start painting with a half-assed attitude because it'll look crap. Well, some people do. <laughs> dad, dad. Yeah, but you know what I mean. Like you've got to be in the right mindset to go into it. You've got to really knuckle down and do it. So where does that put three D printing then, though? Because it's kind of effortless. If you're, yeah, it is kind of effortless. So other than obviously the effort going into calibrating the printer, yeah, starting it. But we're in the we're in the very start of the hobby, right? These things will get easier and easier and more self-aligning and all the rest of it. As, as it depends how far you want to go, because if you're just literally going to download stuff off the internet and print it, then that's pretty much zero effort. But if you want to go into the more design aspect, hobby aspect, if you will, then you could start to design your own stuff. Yeah, exactly. You know, you see a lot of sort of scenery manufacturers and people making things out of laser cut MDF and stuff at, at trade shows, or just, a you know gaming conventions that have exhibitors stands and stuff do you think that's going to decrease as people you know as 3d printing gets more popular or cheaper or things like shapeways do you think you know maybe you could just have your stuff printed there and shipped there's no involvement from you at all you don't even have to have a 3d printer see it's a hard question to answer because <laughs> i mean for me it's obviously wanting to get into the the deeper parts of it. You know, I want to get involved in the 3D software. I want to be able to create my own stuff. Yeah. You know, playing Arena Rex requires um, some tokens for fatigue. It's one of the clever mechanics in it. We didn't so have I just, any of those. No, we didn't have any, so I just designed some on 
because they're very simple tokens. Designed them on um, Tinkercad, downloaded them in STL file and printed them out. Which is very, very, very useful. So it's great for stuff like that. But if you didn't have that, and you could just download it anyway. I mean, if the company offered, here's an SDL file of these things, print them and go, you know, it would cost you a dollar or something. But you wouldn't... Depends how good your 3D printer is as well. Well, and this is, this is another thing. But, you know, you can set a different... If you just wanted a quick, I want to try this out, if you buy some files for a few dollars... Print them out on a really basic, low level. Just and then works. you think, oh yeah, I really like this. And then I'll buy the... Well, I'll just print it out at a higher resolution now. Yeah. Or if I want two of these guys. Yeah, exactly. It's all just... Or it makes you then think, okay, I've got that. My printer's not that good, but I want to actually buy that figure then. Yeah, because it would give you an accurate representation of what it looked like and everything. Without could, actually being the, the real mini. You could test out paint uh, jobs on it as well. Yeah. So I think it's quite an exciting opportunity. I know a lot of people see also there's risk there because, okay, you're going to download a file and then that's it. But the same has been true of things like digital rules compared to printing rules. So is this just a further evolution of the digitization of our hobby? Because digitization of our hobby hasn't really happened much. I mean, there's been a few attempts at it. It's difficult to get it right. Yeah. You know, a games workshop, well, they've kind of done some of it. But they've done it in the most cynical way possible, like charging more for the digital copies of things yeah. than they do for physical copies of things. But I'd like to keep this. I think it's good that this is still physical and hardly digital at all. But mm, yeah, it's helpful to have the digital mix, as in, like you, like you say, the opportunities are pretty much endless when we combine more together. Just if people want to combine them or not. Yeah, and, and perhaps that's why three D printing actually offers quite a bit of the best of both worlds in a way, yeah. because. It's digital, but it also produces a physical object at the end of the day. That's it's true. still gaming. So one of the main differences about us playing Firestorm or playing, you know, I don't know, Battlefleet Gothic space game, <laughs> yeah, which, okay, looks pretty bad, or something like Elite Dangerous yeah, Xbox there you go. or something. Like real-time strategy games on your computer. Yeah, or, or you know, just a combat game. Mm-hmm. You know, why do we play miniature games instead? Well, doing that, it's a different interaction, isn't it? It is, because in generally in games like that, you feel immersed in the universe. For example, first-person shooters and stuff, you feel like you are the character or whatever, which gives a whole different aspect to having sort of a fleet in front of you, like you are the commander of that fleet, and directing your own stuff which you own, not having it just on screen. Yeah. Yeah, yeah which I think is still immersive. I mean, when we were playing Firestorm... Oh, it's fantastic. It gets It's brilliant. Like the, you can really feel like you were there. And you're seeing the ships yeah. fight and everything. It's not not immersive. And we had some pretty interesting. Oh, <laughs> some fantastic <laughs> dice rolls! I double critted a dreadnought. Yeah, I and well, in return, I think, and I posted on Facebook my worst roll ever. That was pretty one, good. One hit, <laughs> one hit from thirteen attack dice. I got like, oh, what did I get? And then you got twenty-four hits. Yes. With a, a, t- a double one. <laughs> yeah, and then proceeded to roll a double one. And then that same battleship critted another one of your dreadnoughts and caused a fold when space When it was rupture. hiding in an asteroid field. And, and caused it to fold space, space rupture. So that it was out of the battlefield, uh, out of the, uh, that was the asteroid field, thus effectively killing it because it was then exposed to the rest of your fleet, as all of mine are already fold space out. Yeah, seeing as you had one squadron and I had six. <laughs> yeah, it, its days were numbered. Fortunately, we rolled for the end the of the game. game the game ended. ended. It had one <laughs> HP left. 
<laughs> and it was a marginal victory for you. It's complete. It was stupid. Oh, dear. So the beauty of false space escape. Yeah, the beauty of just not having... <laughs> so, yeah, to me it's an interesting one because I think gaming as a hobby is strangely insular. It doesn't seem to look outside of itself much. You know, even to very related things like modeling. If you go to a model show, you know, there's so many products for doing, you know, everything in minute detail. Seam scrapers, there's tools you've never seen of before. (laughs) Uh, What the hell does this do? (laughs) Mad amounts of stuff. And there seems to be a very small subset of gamers that are prepared to kind of go into that depth. And everybody admires their stuff, but it isn't duplicated a lot. I think gamers seem to be they have a bit of hobby aspect, but it's not sort of that immersed. Well, generally, when we go to a model show, 90% of the models there are planes. I think that's slightly unfair. Okay, sorry, 80%. <laughs> there are a lot of planes there, and you can do a lot of stuff. And the stuff that people do is fantastic, you know. But, and then you go to a gaming thing, it's like, where the hell did all the planes go? And you're suddenly in this kind of well, different realities. And well, stuff. gaming is quite difficult to do with aircraft. Because exactly. you've got the three-dimensional space. But that's what I'm saying. That's, that's what I'm saying. It is quite different. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. But there are very related skills in both. You know, you're still painting, ah, you're still constructing The thing is, models. in modelling, you sort of don't have a choice. You can't be a modeller and not go into brilliant detail into your modelling stuff, can you? That would be pointless. You can, but yeah, it is a little bit pointless. Whereas, if you're a gamer, your models don't have to look good at all. They have to represent a unit or a model yeah, I suppose you're that right. you can play yeah. with. That's right, yeah, but they're a representation of your force rather than they don't have, being the yeah. object of what They don't done. have to look good, although lots of people like to have it that way, which is where they, the two mix. Yeah. So I guess that then turns around to the 3D printing side of things because, yes, 3D printing... I mean, our printer is a slow printer as 3D printers go. On the lowest quality level, which I've been doing you know, most of the stuff on recently... It still prints in a reasonable amount of time. Yeah. You know, a few hours for most yeah, things. Reasonable. To, <laughs> to overnight for... Uh, yeah, but you're not there. You don't have to be physically involved. Oh, yeah, so yeah, that's true. it chugging away overnight is fine. The only danger is you come back and find that it's just put a load of filament everywhere because you forgot to do something or it's uncalibrated or something. <laughs> yeah, I've done that. that. I've seen that before. Like, that's not what it's meant yeah. to look like. A big, big thing of what looks like hair. It's just like, oh no. Some of it looks good and you can take it for like Cthulhu Wars or something <laughs> just in the shove over there. Well, there have been some partial prints of spacecraft I've done which I've saved for debris fields. That's <laughs> <laughs> useful in that respect. But not what you wanted. It wasn't what you intended. Yeah. It's like I intended to print a Rubik's Cube. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, everything's been printed at a very low quality level, but it's still good enough for you know most of the stuff like you know the buildings and you know scenery and bits. So exactly, because that's... if you're not really focused on the hobby bit, you just want a representation. Exactly, of, then it doesn't matter. It's a hill. It's an asteroid. It's a you know especially a ruined building where. It doesn't really matter anyway, right? Yeah. You put all the other bits of failed prints as debris. <laughs> thing is, though, we... I know that we are very immersed in the hobby as well. Yeah. So we like to make it look good, because... What's the point, quite frankly? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Whereas, I think 3D printing... I think, certainly for the future... I mean, I intend to do more 3D printing of things like scenery. It's certainly not at a point where I would 3D print... Like spaceships for Firestorm stuff. That would be copyright. 
Well, no, no, but like designing <laughs> our own ones or, yeah, yeah. you know, here's a new Aquan ship I've still designed. be copyright. You'd have to call it um, something like, you know, when, when the brands are taken, they call it something like. <laughs> yeah, here's my new Aquian ship. <laughs> <laughs> Spelt with like one of the German letters with yeah. the dots above yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, it should be no copyright infringement, etc. Yeah. No, but I mean, for personal use, I mean, that would yeah, be fine. If I tried then to sell them, I'd be in trouble, but uh, rightly so. Uh, but the thing is also, am I confident, that confident in my design abilities, as opposed to what Spartan puts out, which are these, you I'm know, afraid to say. No, exactly. <laughs> and also the quality of the prints. For the price they're putting out, doesn't make it worth my while to spend designing something which may or may not, or most likely may not, look as good. And actually, print quality won't be as good. No, either. it will not be good at all because think about it—they cast it in resin. Yes, yeah. <laughs> in perfect. So cast. I could either buy these three resin ships for like thirty pounds or whatever, or I could spend you know a couple of weeks designing them, and then not have something. Something turns out not as good. And actually, almost as long printing them to get the same. Because if I go down to a fifty micron print level, it takes forever to print. Those yeah, things. you're waiting there. How long are you waiting? I don't know. It's I like a couple just of days for now. a print. Yeah. <laughs> So if I take all my time, plus you've got the material print and the cost of actually doing the interesting stuff, is that worth it? No, I would rather buy a better quality miniature that actually fits into that universe from the proper provider. You're talking about something completely different, because you're talking about companies that spend their time making really highly detailed models for their game, whereas if you printed the Hansoda Blaster, like you said, that's one thing. It looks good, you can spend your time on that, yeah. and you won't need to print another one. That's true. That's true. On the, the flip side, if I, you know, the one thing I would say is I printed off a couple of World War II tanks in Planetfall scale, and actually they came out really well. Uh, it was just for comparison, really, just see, you know, it was a real world tank and a Planetfall tank, you know, how did they scale? And they scale pretty well. But if I was going to play a World War II game on a Planetfall scale or one three hundred scale, Printing those off is actually quite feasible because I can print off like nine Sherman tanks in a couple of hours, you know, and have that that mass game, and it doesn't really matter, you know, that yeah, because you know you're not going to tiny tiny things. Things will be dying quickly in a mass game. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think three D printing has has promise for our hobby. I don't think it's a big threat, to be honest. No, not at all. I think it's quite a complementary thing, because 3D printers are still quite niche. They're still relatively difficult to use on a routine basis, I would say. They're not kind of the the average person's, oh, yeah, I'll buy this and I'll do that kind of level at the moment. So I think they're an interesting add-on, and I think they're blurring those lines between the sort of games creators and the hobbyist in terms of perhaps the scenery and the lower quality bits. They're certainly not at the stage where you know it's viable for a company just to sell STL files and okay, I'll buy my Planetfall no, STLs out and I can print them at home. Give it a hundred years and have the same quality. <laughs> and you've got a special well, laser print. I think it's the quality of printers is available. It's just they cost about a hundred thousand pounds each, and which you can buy a lot of <laughs> lot of Planetfall models for a hundred thousand pounds before it becomes viable. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah, there we have it, folks. Uh, a little bit of a discussion on. The blurring of the lines between things like the digital and the physical with 3D printing. Some of the blurring between some of the the hobbies which are very closely aligned to gaming. Oscar's going on holiday now for a week with his friend, so we won't be recording for the next week or so. We're also going to the Royal International Air Tattoo next weekend. So it'll probably be a couple of weeks before we're we're back on the air fully. Maybe we get a Skype conversation in with some of our 
guest hosts in the uh, in the US and, and abroad. But otherwise, I think we're at the end of the episode. So signing off from the Hub Systems, it's Alex. And Oscar. We'll see you next time. <laughs>